Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome back to the Viva Life Show with me, Tori Ree, once again. I hope you are having an amazing week. Uh, I have recently come back from Austria. I came back from Austria a couple of days ago. And I'm currently sat back at home, just enjoying this beautiful weather. I was so grateful that this week is just, well, this whole weekend coming up apparently is going to be insane in the UK. So I am here for it. I hope the weather is good wherever you are and that you are having a blessed one. Um, I just want to take the time out to just appreciate you basically all over again. Uh, I express my gratitude for you tuning in, listening. I have had some really, really good conversations over the past week or so, and I've been fortunate enough that I have been able to record these conversations. So you're going to get a couple from Austria um, over the next few weeks, and I'm really excited for it because I was having a lot of of kind of conversations out on hikes, etc. I was like, nah, these need to be shared, and I was able to to make, or the guys were able to make some time with me to sit down and some to discuss some really, really interesting topics that I'm so excited for you to listen to. So this week's podcast, I have our friend Nico on the line, on the line, on the mic. <laughs> um, Nico is a nutritionist. He is also a published author and he is currently going around the world doing talks on kind of nutrition on a vegan diet. This time around on the podcast, he debunks a lot of vegan myths. I've got some tips out of him on how to kind of understand the nutrient side of things and how to thrive on a vegan diet, how to kind of manage food and food choices, really just so that we can all live our best lives. Um, there's a lot of information out there. So I think it's important to listen to people that you trust and absorb the right information. Uh, so Without further ado, I'll pass you over to the podcast. I hope you enjoy. As always, please share this with anybody that you think it would be useful for. Uh, give us a comment, give us a subscribe, and I will speak to you soon. Oh, and P.S. I just want to apologize. As near the end of this podcast, you may hear a little bit of background noise. I would just like to uh, expose... Anna Winstone, Miles, also known as the Tahini King, also known as Healthy Crazy Cool, and Fitzy for all being super impatient when it comes to food, even though they eat 24-7, and there is a bit of background noise in the kitchen. They did get told off, um, but the content is still great, so enjoy. And today, I am joined with Nico. Yes, thanks for having me. <laughs> no, thank, well, I, you couldn't really escape me. So we're currently still in Austria and uh, I've been earwigging on so many conversations that I did get to the point where I was like, actually, I just need to steal you for the podcast myself because everybody else was getting all the information and uh, I felt like it was only fair to share it with everybody else. That's true. So you've been kidnapped. Um, My pleasure. But yeah, if you could just tell people a little bit about who you are, because obviously they can't see you. Sure, sure. Uh, first of all, as you might already uh, have heard, I'm not uh, born and raised in any English-speaking country. I'm from Austria, so my name is Nico Rittenau. I'm from Austria, now living in Germany. I'm trying my best to speak proper English for this interview. Well. Yep. <laughs> we'll see. Um, so Austria, where our Schwarzenegger is born. Yep. Yeah. Um, I was born and raised there. Uh, I'm coming originally from the gastronomy and from the hotel management sector. Uh, I, I studied entrepreneurship and I had the, the big goal to manage some, some nice, luxurious hotel in the Cayman Islands or something like Ooh, that. Yeah. But on the way uh, of doing so, I came across all the topics that we are all faced now. Mm -hmm. The world hunger, the health aspects of our food, the environmental damage, the ethical side of our food industry. And I felt like my, my former goal of being a hotel manager suddenly was so stupid. So I decided to change my path um, and to study more on the nutrition side. And that's why I did a bachelor in nutrition science. Mm -hmm. uh, I then did a master degree in regulatory medicine and micronutrient therapy. And apart from that, I'm teaching at some universities, some universities of applied science. I am the author of a book on uh, busting myths on- You're a published <laughs> author. Yes, thank you. <laughs> yes, a um, book on busting vegan myths, uh, also myths regarding or concerning the vegan diets. This will be- very yeah, you go. I was about to. I was about. I was going to be like, but guys, before you ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's um, hopefully it's coming out uh, in the first or second quarter of next year. So Sweet. I know the translation is in the making, but it's just on the on the beginning. It's like a four hundred. 
50 something page books yeah. it will take a while yeah. to be translated and we have to change some things because some things are very detailed for Germany and Austria mm -hmm. not necessary for anyone else so we will change some things to make it more internationally Perfect. suitable um, and apart from that I'm having a YouTube channel I have a YouTube channel called Nico Rittenau uh, which is also in German uh, sorry Josh has a speaker that talks to us occasionally <laughs> There we go, she's gone. Carry on. Sorry about that. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, so I have the YouTube channel where we present uh, nutrition-related videos uh, every week, uh, Wednesday, 4 p.m., only in German so far, but as soon as the book is coming out in English, the, the YouTube channel will as well. Um, Perfect. And apart from that, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm being a lot on, on tour, all the, the vegan fairs. I'm, I'm giving talks, and uh, I was giving talks to the uh, German army and to the German government. So I'm talking yeah. a lot about nutrition and I'm happy that so many people res like are open for this discussion on new diets. Mm. Yeah, so yeah, basically that's it. Probably I forgot some things, but more or less. Uh, th there's a lot there. There's a lot there to digest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I, I think that's that definitely seems to be a topic with a lot of people that I myself anyway have been very inspired by lately is it's all this kind of you have this idea of what you want to do in life and then all of a sudden you start seeing things that you realize need to change there needs to be an impact and you're like actually do you know what i'm not going to be that person who sits back and just hopes that someone else does it i'm going to do my part i'm going to play my part and all of a sudden you're aligning to your purpose and everything just feels so much more fulfilling and satisfying because it's no longer just about achieving a goal it's about making an impact. Do you know what I mean? It's it's not about leaving a legacy for your ego. It's about leaving a, a legacy in regards to making a better planet for the next generations, for the animals, for the humans, for the planet's sake. Um, and I just think that that's great. I couldn't agree more. On the way to Austria, we were actually listening to a podcast from, I think his name was Jordan Peterson. Yep. yep. Yeah. yeah. And he was talking about how you can find like fulfillment and happiness in life by taking responsibility mm -hmm. uh, not looking for the next thing that makes you happy but just grab on responsibility and care for your environment right. uh, and the people around you and I think that's what's, what's also fulfilling me a lot and mm -hmm. makes me wake up in the morning and right. I don't see too many people at least in Germany uh, taking that role so at some point I was like okay then I'm the one to do it and yeah. I'm hoping that a lot of uh, other people will do it as well I think there's enough to do for a lot of people mm -hmm. so I'm not trying to be the only one but I feel like there could be more people in the but that's the, it's like it's all those little things isn't it like that the acts of kindness and it goes back to even not those the bigger parts but clearing up litter or seeing somebody homeless and even if you can't afford to buy them a meal recognizing them and asking their name and just having a little chat do you know what I mean? like doing those kind of selfless things and having that responsibility for making people smile or clearing the planet whatever it is those little things make so much difference as well so much so just uh, don't uh, that i that i'm uh, clear when i was said i don't see any so many people doing this i was like uh, the nutrition science yeah oh yeah, no, yeah yeah completely i see completely, a lot completely. of people doing great yeah, yeah, yeah. things serving the public in a yeah. lovely way so and that is oh so we've cool. all got to have our little niche haven't we We'll go have our niche. That's how it makes you successful. Um, but I want to tap in a little bit more because obviously last week um, I had Ferdinand. My good friend. Yeah, yes. good old Ferdy um, on the podcast. And we did start to touch on food. And we were talking about, um, in particular, his journey of, of building muscle on a vegan diet. And obviously the myth that we've all faced or kind of the backlash of, oh, but you can't build muscle on a vegan diet. So we, we went through some of that and he, he spoke about some of the kind of like the key foods and stuff that he focused on, etc. But one thing that I think still gets missed. So often people go into veganism and we're very happy because we're giving up the animal products, but then people's health deteriorates because they're not necessarily paying enough attention on kind of what they're really putting in their bodies. We've got a lot of vegan junk food um, and also a lot of carb heavy. So then you go through that next step of then you're starting to understand what macronutrients are. So you know you need your fats, you know you need your carbs, you know you need your protein. You might have to track for a little bit to start to understand which foods offer what, but then we kind of still stop there. So then it's an aesthetic point of view. We've started making changes in regards to our physique, but then we're still neglecting kind of the, the nutrients and the minerals that we may not be getting quite so easily. And whether you're a meat eater or a plant-based, I think we miss them, period. And I feel like you're the best person to actually be able to break down some of this information so that it's easier for us to actually just make smarter choices. 
I'm more than happy to do so. Good. Sure. Um, <laughs> as you said, I mean, if you start, I wish it would be extremely easy, but it's just not, mm -hmm. right? I mean, I wish it would be so easy that you don't have to pay attention to anything, just eat a, the right whole food plant-based right. diet without caring too much if you eat this or that, just like you eat the rainbow up mm -hmm. and down, you eat colorful vegetables and that's it. But at least in, in countries like, like Germany, Austria, but the whole European Union, you have problems with some soil quality, mm -hmm. you have problems that you don't get certain nutrients too easily, we have problems with fortification, stuff like that. Um, but when we go for so it's important to speak about it. And when we go through the macros, it's yeah. obvious that you need the, 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 the carbohydrates, the fats and the proteins, but it's not only about those three categories. When you think about the fats, mm. you should pay attention to the omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids. You need both in a certain um, in a certain concentration. Most people are more lacking the omega-3s and then they may be eating their chia seeds, their flax seeds, their walnuts, mm -hmm. their, their rapeseed oil. Yep. Um, but not all the people convert those uh, so-called ALA, those alpha-linolenic uh, fatty acids, properly into the EPA and DHA, yep. which we maybe got from fish when we were eating omnivores diet. So some people, they are doing perfectly fine if they balance out their ratio between omega-3 and 6, if they're not eating too many trans fatty acids, if they are overall uh, good in their diet. And what type of things do trans fatty acids look like? Yeah, so, so in, in it's getting less and less important, at least in Germany, that trans fatty acids are fatty acids that uh, are mostly and, and mainly in, in industrialized products, mm -hmm. so uh, dehydrogenated uh, oils and yep, stuff like okay. that. So, and, and at least in Germany, we really have regulatory approaches to minimize the amount mm -hmm. of trans fatty acids. So that's not the big deal. It's more the deal that you eat a Western diet, either if it's vegan or not, that is heavy in omega-6s because yep. you're using the sunflower oil, you're using the um, safflower oil and mm -hmm. stuff like that, which is, I mean, you're shooting for a ratio between one point omega-3 and four, five, six points omega-6 mm -hmm. and suf uh, sunflower oil has one, two, I think it's 380 or something like yeah. that, so it's crazy. Um, and you can use it, but just in minuscules mm. min amounts. Um, so you wanna pay attention to your omega-3s, the short chain and the long chain yep. omega-3 fatty acids. Uh, when you think about protein, of course, it's about counting how many grams of protein you mm -hmm. get, but besides that, you wanna make sure that you get your minimum amount of the most critical amino acid called lysine. Mm -hmm. You need, uh, if I'm not mistaken, 30 milligrams per kilogram of body weight, um, which is easily achievable if you eat your legumes. Yeah. If you're not eating your legumes, you gotta pay a little bit more attention mm. to it. Um, so that's from the, and carbohydrates, normally you get enough. You wanna, of course, have whole foods. Yeah. It's um, probably the easiest food source to obtain, is, it isn't is. it? I mean, if you're eating oils, fat is not yeah. too hard as well. Um, yeah, but I totally agree with you on that one. And then the micronutrients, uh, we, we do see that five minerals can be of concern, which is iron, which is calcium, zinc, selenium, and iodine. Mm -hmm. uh, in Canada, in the United States, selenium is not really a big deal because the soil is quite rich in selenium. Yeah. That's why most of the US um, uh, plant-based doctors are not really talking about selenium, mm. but some people are like, probably most people in Germany, for example, or in Switzerland, and maybe in the UK yeah. as well, they take for granted that selenium is not a problem for them either, yeah. which is not necessarily the case. So we Why is it that the US is so much better soil? It's, it's just it's soil quality. So we have yeah. different uh, mineralization in soil and mm -hmm. in South America, in Canada, in North America, at least in many parts, yeah. the soil just happens to be richer in selenium. Uh, but we see, what, for example, in Finland, which is in the middle of Europe, yeah. um, their soil was very depleted in selenium as well, but they just uh, fortified their soil mm. with selenium and now they have one of the best uh, targets. Finland seems to be the place to go to be honest, isn't yeah, it right the, now? The weather, the weather is not so good but, the yeah, but everything the food, else. Yeah, everything's great. And I mean so they did this a couple of years ago and they're so successful with it and it's such a shame that we don't do this mm. in, in Germany for example and I'm very eager to change this in the future. Yeah, I have no um, doubt. But in Germany, like, we substitute or we supplement the feed of the livestock with selenium in order for the omnivores to get enough yeah. selenium, but we're not thinking about all the vegetarians and vegans. Mm. Yeah. Um, iodine is a reason why we iodized our salt, um, which uh, brings not enough iodine for purely vegan uh, eaters because you get approximately 100 micrograms of iodized of uh, iodine if you use iodized salt completely. Yeah. Uh, if you don't overdo your salt uh, because you have like 20 micrograms of iodine per gram of salt, and you need 150 to 200. So either you have some algaes in your diet, or you use uh, a, a low grade supplement and mm -hmm. not low grade like a low dosage supplement. Yeah. 
or you leave out the iodized salt and just take your 150 micrograms of uh, yeah. iodine as a supplement. Um, uh, iron uh, don't has to be a problem. I mean, we see this in, in like the Epic Oxford study, in the study from the vegans of Switzerland. If you eat uh, a variety diet, you get in terms of quantity more than enough. Mm-hmm two times, three times, four times the amount you need. So really like you see 20, 30 milligrams, which is a lot, but the bioavailability is a question. And we have things that can enhance it quite Mm -hmm. rapidly. Most people are aware of the vitamin C. Not so many people are aware that beta carotene, for example, is a strong enhancer, which is nice because it can be turned to vitamin A, which is cool, um, and it can help absorb the iron. Um, sulfurous compounds in uh, onions and garlics can enhance the bioavailability. Okay. So if you prepare your whole grains with some onions and garlics, mm. they can help. Um, and the third, th- uh, the fourth thing is uh, organic acid. So if you eat your fruits as a dessert, the organic acids in the fruits will also help to absorb the iron okay. better. Okay. So what type of fruits? Yeah. Because I feel like there's some fruits that are better than others. For sure, but there are like uh, there's at least three or four different organic acids that can help. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's citric acid, it's citrus acids, it's a couple of acids, and you will find at least one of those in most of the okay. food. So I would I wouldn't like in bananas you find little yep. compared to virtually all the others. <laughs> but okay. if you eat like an apple or a pear or uh, a grape, doesn't yep. really make a large difference in that sense. Or yeah. That's not so, so important. That's all right. I'll screenshot the time and then I'll cut that out. All right. Okay. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, then we have the, the zinc. Most of, foods that are, most of the foods that are high in iron tend to be high in zinc as well, but we don't have as many enhancers for zinc. Okay. This is why zinc can be and tends to be a problem or could be a problem um, and that's why maybe if I would design a multivitamin for vegans I would put some zinc in, in it. Yeah. Uh, we are not sure how well the body adapts over for example like a, a few year period to the absorption of zinc. It can be it can be reasonable to think that the absorption from non-animal sources of zinc and iron etc gets better over time as mm-hmm. our body adapts to it but we are lacking data on that one. Um, and the last one is calcium. So easy to cover if you drink your plant milk for the yep. fiber calcium. Relatively hard to get your 800 to 1000 milligrams without it. I mean, if you're eating really large amounts of your leafy greens and mm. your broccoli, and you can get it, um, but it's not so easy. So yeah. this could be a thing as well. And then we just have the vitamins. I mean, everyone knows about vitamin B12. Um, not so many people know how to really calculate the exact doses and stuff like that. Um, not so many people are aware that vitamin B2 is named as a critical nutrient. Uh, easy if we eat our uh, mushrooms, our uh, nutritional yeast, our almonds, they are really high in vitamin B2. but Apart from these foods, the rest is not super high, so it can be an issue for some. And the last thing in terms of vitamins is vitamin D, which mm-hmm. is obviously not really, or not obviously, it is not really a vitamin per se. You can also call it a pro-hormone because yeah. your body can, can build it by, by himself or by itself. Uh, but we see in Germany that without supplementing, approximately 90% of the people have a problem there. And um, if I'm, yeah, that, that's basically it. I mean, there's more than enough. Yeah. Um, and the, the thing is, when people hear this, they're like, oh my gosh. There's so diet. much to think yeah, about. Yeah. Um, but that, actually, that would be the same thing. Of course, the nutrient would be different ones, but we have got at least uh, a handful or more of nutrients of concern in the omnivores diet as well. Mm-hmm. They just don't care about it. And the, the, our food system is taking care of some. They iodize the salt. If you're pregnant, they give you folic acid. Uh, they uh, fortify maybe the milk with vitamin D, etc. So things got to be taken, they they take care of things and they don't really take care of things uh, for vegans at the moment at least. At the moment, I was going to say, hopefully Mm -hmm. we'll start seeing more of a shift. I feel, feel yeah, there definitely is um, and there's a lot more talk about it and I think that's that's the key part, isn't it? I think it's Canada now that have obviously implemented like the vending, vegan vending machines in hospitals. Nice. Yeah, Um, and bits like that. So, we're slowly moving in the right direction. Uh, yeah, I think it's not even so slow. I no, feel like it's actually, cool. no, it's yeah, you're right, you're do. right, you're right, you're right. It's just a lot yeah, to do and there's a lot great. of... What other kind of myths would you say, like, need to be debunked yeah. in regards to a vegan diet? Yeah, so just one one last thing to the, mm-hmm. to the nutrients. I feel like until we have not a government that is, or a food system that is really taking care of this particular nutrient, I think most people, at least in the European Union, where, where fortification is at the beginning, would 
would really heavily benefit uh, from a well well designed multivitamin yeah. just to put this uh, to to the to the rest um, and uh, other myths I, I mean the greatest myth in my opinion that's the reason why I also wrote my bachelor thesis about it is the whole soy controversy mm. I'm so glad that you're going to bring this one up because I feel like this is something that I've I've struggled with in the past as well um, so I've got polycystic ovaries so my mm. hormones are mm. kind of all over the place and the thought of mm. me eating soy originally when obviously I was just seeing kind of like the fake news and mm. whenever I was like oh my gosh no I can't take it because I literally will turn into a man. Um, <laughs> just to let everybody know that I am not a man. I am still a female. Um, but I yeah, yeah <laughs> I think so. Anyway. Obviously. I thought yeah, that's what you just yeah, said, I, I, I think. I didn't check the detail, but <laughs> I think so. We hope so. Yeah. But yeah, so and the more I've spoken to people, the more obviously I've learned it's actually quite the opposite. But obviously, go. Yeah, go sure, on. sure, sure. Now, you, I mm. mean, what you said is completely true. Uh, but I was, I was re- with everything. I mean, when I turned vegan for ethical reasons about six years ago, mm-hmm. I was really... Um, Unsecure and not sure about the health aspect because yeah. of course my new vegan friends told me oh it's the healthiest thing you can do on planet Earth and all my my omnivore friends from back in the day said oh it's the unhealthiest thing mm. you can do and I just did not want to just trust any opinion I want to form my opinion on a evidence based basis yep. that's the that was in first place the only reason why I studied nutrition science back then I still wanted to mm. do the gastronomy thing um but then <laughs> things changed um and if the science were was clear that a vegan diet would not be helpful then I would not surely not recommend it yep. and I most likely will not do it for myself but yeah. the science is clear that you can and it's the same with soy if the science would say that or even suggest that you should not consume soy or that you should be very very careful with soy easy there are so many other legumes pulses right. etc um, but it would be crazy if we would be afraid of a legume <laughs> mm. um, that is actually health promoting if we take a look at the human data um, yeah. and the whole controversy comes from uh, the fi- so-called phytoestrogens in soy mm-hmm. the, the name phytoestrogens rings bell for many people because oh, estrogen oh my gosh um, exactly. and of course uh, you don't want to have very especially if you are female uh, you, you are sensitive to high levels of estrogen because this can be a promoter of hormone sensitive breast cancer mm-hmm. for example um, but in terms of that we got to speak about the estrogen content of, of milk, of cow's milk. Mm. That, that's that's an issue because uh, many cows get milked while they are pregnant and then their estrogen yeah. levels are higher. Uh, phytoestrogens um, are way, way, way weaker. So we see that, uh, it, of course, it depends which phytoestrogen you take a look at. If it's the, the genistein, the diacin, the uh, glycetin. So there's uh, quite a lot of them. They are between 100 and 10,000 times weaker than the female oh, wow. hormone. So, of course, in theory if you only eat soy you could get to a point where it can be similar but in the amounts we usually eat one to three portions a day which equals three like one yeah. to three hundred grams of tofu 600 milliliter of, of soy milk would be three uh, portions so people not, tend to not do more than that on a daily basis right. i mean if you not eat tofu for one day you can have half a kilo next day it doesn't mm. really matter um, but in general on a daily basis not more than let's say three three portions because if you overeat one soy product means you're not eating enough of other exactly. foods. That's it's exactly the same with everything else, isn't everything. it? Drink 10 liter of water in one sitting, you will have problems. Yeah. Eat 10 kilogram of raw spinach a day, you will have yeah. a problem. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't drink water. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Hydrate yourself, guys. Hydrate. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so this important point at the beginning. So even though the phytoestrogens are biochemically similar to the female hormone estrogen, they act way, way weaker. Yeah. Um, but due to the fact that they are similar in the structure, they can bind to the estrogen receptors, therefore block, at least partly, the uh, endogenous estrogen. And this can actually lower your estrogen a little bit, not, not to an extent that you turn into a male if you're a female, yeah. but to an extent that it, could lower any, that it could lower estrogen levels that are too high. On the other hand, it's just too weak to really feminize men. An interesting thing is that soy is acting like a so-called selective estrogen receptor modulator. Mm-hmm. Scientists like long words. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, are we stopping? <laughs> keep going, keep going. <laughs> yeah, and this so- so-called like S. 
ASERMs, the selective estrogen receptor modulators. Um, this is these are the isoflavones, and they act, um, let's say, selective, as mm -hmm. the, the name uh, suggests. So they do bind to some receptors more likely than to others, and they more likely bind to the receptors in the breast tissue yep. more than, for example, the bone tissue, where we don't really want those weak estrogens to bind. So they they really act in a in a in a extremely let's say a clever way yeah. just clever ways it's, it's just to, it sounds too good to be true but actually that's that what, what they do and so we see um, in for example cohorts like the uh, Shanghai breast cancer survivor study that those females who eat larger quantities of soy they, they tend to do better so not 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 equally good not worse but better mm -hmm. um, but you gotta eat your soy products within the first uh, decade on a regular basis and from then on on a regular basis still this is the reason why we tend to see more beneficial effects in Asian countries not really because of difference in uh, genetics because we see that if Asian populations move to Western countries yep. they lose their, their benefits it's really more on the how often do you eat it and so for future generations we should really um, make sure that they don't fear soy mm -hmm. um, but that they eat soy on a regular basis of course if you have a soy allergy you don't want to eat it you don't want to overdo it just let it be a part of your health yeah. diet and I'm not sponsored by the soy industry so I'm not getting paid <laughs> for that I couldn't care less if people eat soy or not I just don't want people to be scared of yeah. a, of a of a bean <laughs> that's gonna say because i i know that i definitely was uh it, it definitely went, i went through a period and luckily as the conversations have become more common mm -hmm. and more kind of studies have been available to us etc etc yeah. the fear has subsided sure. i mean i whenever i'm giving a talk about soy which i do quite regularly because like uh, events um, creators ask for this a lot i always ask so who is afraid of of uh, thyroid function soy who is afraid that it feminizes man who is afraid mm -hmm. that it raises breast cancer risk and there are at least two quarters uh, two thirds of the hands go up um, but in fact i mean we see if if you have enough iodine and selenomidida in your diet they go to that Goitrogenic effect of soy is is little and neglectable, so you can have your soy. Of course, if you are having um, synthetic uh, thyroid hormones, your doctor will tell you you should um, like have one hour between your um, medicine, mm -hmm. your antioxidant, and your soy foods. But you should also have one hour between your medicine and or your drugs and your cruciferous vegetables. Yeah. Does this mean that all your kale is unhealthy? No. no. You just want to avoid the interaction with the yeah. synthetic uh, thyroid hormones and so on and so on. You don't see any problems in terms of fertility. You don't see problems in terms of uh, child development, etc., etc. And there's really only, I only see one small and neg neglectable organization called the Western Air Prize Foundation who is pushing this soy myth on and on and on. And some people adapt it, some people translate it to German language, spread the word without naming mm. any sources. Because if you check their sources, and I don't want to sound impolite, um, some of the things that they are doing, that is good. But if you check their sources, you see that they are referring, like, I would never say anything is 100%, but 99% to um, animal data and cell culture data. Mm. They, they leave out all the positive human data and really paint the wrong picture of the whole topic. Mm, yeah. As, yeah. No disrespect. No, no disrespect. No, no. I completely get that entirely. And I think I just want to move to one. This is me being selfish now. I'm picking a brain. <laughs> um, but there's two other areas that I, I would like to cover, which is the double S. So I'd like to talk about sugar and I'd like to talk about salt. Yes. Should we talk about oil as, again? Uh, we could do the SOS, couldn't we? <laughs> we could do the SOS. This is obviously a strong topic in yeah. this community that we're currently with. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I mean, what are your, your views on it all? Yeah, um, I feel like my views on all three topics are, at least two of those three topics mm. are unpopular on each side. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because the SOS free dieters um, don't like my views and the people that don't care about the SOS topic don't like it either because it's too restrictive for, for those guys, yeah. but it's not enough uh, restrictive for the SOS free guys. Uh, the reason why my recommendation is like it is is because this is what I find is the conclusion of the best available balance of evidence. Yep. Uh, I'm with every topic more than open to change my opinion on everything because my opinion is always only based on the um, literature that I have. Um, and I feel like the avoidance of all three in total is not necessary, mm -hmm. um, at least for the general public general yep. population. There might be cases where it is, but not for the general public. And I feel like in some occasions it can do 
sugar, like when we speak about oil and, and salt, it can do more bad than good in some situations. Mm -hmm. So to, to get this clear, maybe we start with the, with the sugar because that's yep. an easy one. Um, in the past, uh, many people have, I mean, no one has ever argued that sugar is a health food. No, of course not. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, if uh, only. <laughs> of course. I mean, maybe there was one part. Right. People like to, as Dr. Tom McDougall says, people like to hear good news about the bad habits. Yep. If I would write a book, sugar is the new health food, I would sell a lot yep. of copies 100%. probably. Um, okay. Um, but yeah, that's of course not the case. But the, the, the question is, can it be that sugar is not only empty calories, but in addition, somehow harmful? Mm. And I think it's it's not so easy to paint a clear picture of this. Of course, we all tend to think this because it raises our blood sugar too highly. It can yep. cause oxidative stress. Maybe it's a problem if we, I mean, we see in the population data, if people tend to eat more sugar, they have a higher rate of diabetes type two, etc. But the question still remains, what? Is there a problem if you have a certain small amount of added sugars in an overall very healthy whole food plant-based diet? Um, first, we have not so much data on it and it would be reasonable to think that it would be neglectable because mm -hmm. we, we see, for example, if you eat legumes in the evening yep. and on the next day in the morning, you go to bed, eight, 10 hours later, you eat some high glycemic foods compared to a group that has not eaten legumes the, the, the night before, your blood sugar will be more stable than theirs. It's called the second meal effect. So one mm -hmm. food has not only an effect on the meal where you eat it, but only also on the next day or next meal, even if it's one day later. Mm. Um, so if you say, okay, I had my legumes in the, mm -hmm. in the meal before, maybe I can have a little bit more of the sugars. Or if I have a cake because it's my birthday and yep. I like to have a cake, but I put a lot of blueberries on it. Some of the phytochemicals in the blueberry will stabilize my blood sugar as well and will neglect some of the effects. And we see this also with some of the carcinogen compounds. If you eat your broccoli or your cruciferous vegetables with some of those compounds, they will bind those carcinogenic compounds and will uh, like hinder it from absorbing it. Or even if you eat like a do you call it aflatoxin in, in English as well? Um, uh, like if you eat some moldy peanuts, they can have, I think it's called aflatoxins. Possibly. Yeah. I, we'll go with that. <laughs> yeah. If not, please leave a comment. But I, I think it's aflatoxins. So this is like a very, very uh, dangerous substance that's mm -hmm. produced by, by moldy bacteria, by mold uh, in general. Um, you cannot really destroy it by heat. It's You don't see it. You don't taste it. It's really, yeah. it's really mean. Um, but if you... <laughs> it's a mean toxin. It, it is. It is. <laughs> So mean! Wow. If it would have a face, Such it would a be bully. very mean. Such yeah. a bully. <laughs> but um, to my surprise, if you, for example, eat your nuts that are contaminated mm -hmm. with aflatoxins and you eat them together with your dark leafy greens, the chlorophyll in the dark leafy greens will at least hinder a lot of the aflatoxin to enter your blood system because okay. they will form complexes that are not absorbed anymore. So I think it's an important thing that we don't focus too much on, I mean, we some, some time ago we used to uh, focus on nutrients. Mm -hmm. We understood that this is a very reductionist point of view and not the best thing. Then we start looking at foods, which yep. is way better because it's a package of different nutrients. Then I would argue you should not really take a look on foods, but on um, plates. So mm -hmm. what what is the totality of your plate? And even more important, what is the totality of your day? And what are you eating day by day? As Dr. Michael Greger used to say, it's not about what you eat on, on Christmas or certain right. holidays. It's what you eat on a daily basis. And I couldn't agree more because you see these synergistic effects, mm -hmm. uh, which is important. So um, I would never recommend to add sugar. Um, I certainly do uh, eat sugar from time to time because I just like the taste. But if you're going to have a cake, go for the blueberry muffin, basically. Right. Got right, it. Right, right, Noted. Right, right, right. I knew right, right. I took the most important part of that conversation there. Yeah, yeah. So it's all about <laughs> how can you cheat with as little negative effects as uh -huh. possible. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm here for. Yeah, and I mean... <laughs> Especially if we think about how to make veganism attractive for people. I think mm -hmm. it's important to make it as le as least restrictive as possible. Yeah. If we talk about like therapeutic diets for heart disease and diabetes, maybe that's another story. Mm -hmm. But we're now talking for preventing. And yeah. I, I don't see a, ne a necessity to cut it out completely. If you can, fine. But I feel like if I add just a little 
I mean, I don't really add sugar, mm. plain white sugar, but if I add, add like a little uh, maple syrup or a little bit of date sugar, etc., yeah. to my to my dishes, they just or you've so gone out for healthy. dinner and you decide actually I want to treat myself to a, to yeah, a dessert or yeah. something like that. Yeah, or if I'm together mm. with people that are not necessarily on my path in eating, if, yeah. I, if I have a business dinner, yeah, I mean I don't want to look too strange. I mean I'm already strange because <laughs> I'm leaving out all the animal products. <laughs> right. But if I don't even have dessert or nothing, so. For the sake of my social life, I will have it. Um, hard life. <laughs> mm-hmm. So hard. But that's why we may call it as only with mm-hmm. vegans exactly. that are as anti-social as we. That's, yeah. yeah. Makes it feel more more normal, right? Right. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. The next, uh, the next S uh, mm-hmm. uh, after the this, uh, sugar is the salt. Yeah. Um, when people say you don't have to eat salt, they're totally right. Uh, when we speak about salt, we speak about sodium mm-hmm. uh, needs, and you can get all the sodium you need from whole foods without adding any salt. Mm-hmm. Um, but the question is, how harmful is a little bit of additional salt? Right. Because uh, it acts like a taste enhancer. It, uh, the industry uses it especially as a preservative, yeah. and uh, so there is there should be room for it if it's not unhealthy per se. Mm-hmm. And we see the recommendations if you are if you have hypertension, you want to limit to I was was it 1600 or 300 milligrams of sodium I think it's 2300 for uh, the average person yeah. which equals to I, I think it's like five grams of salt a day what the American Heart Association says and other authorities like the, and that's still quite a lot really that's the thing if you're not eating too much processed food right. five grams if you're really cooking yourself five grams is not so little yeah. it is little if you eat all the processed food because mm. they add a lot of salt and you don't really taste it but in which case you probably don't really care about the sodium intake anyway because you're already eating processed food true 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 but i mean especially for example i mean today i I was like having the grocery i was doing grocery shopping i saw this vegan uh, uh, pizza right Mm -hmm. i I gotta have it of course it's high in sodium but then i add many other ingredients that are not high in sodium and then it's it's nice i had a lot of veggies and stuff and then i'm fine um but so let's say to to put it in a nutshell if you're not uh, have hypertension if you're overall on a healthy diet if you're uh at least normal active uh, mm-hmm. i don't see a point why why you should completely restrict salt if you like cool go for it but i don't see a need for it um i don't see too much difference between all those different fancy salt some of them are very expensive some of them are not i mean it's all it's at the end of the day it's sodium yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, so i don't see a point there the amount of other minerals it's, it's min- like minusculous um if you want to have iodine in your diet you don't have it if you eat sea salt there's mm-hmm. not enough iodine in it and stuff like that so just keep it to a reasonable amount and you're fine. There are things that can help. For example, if you don't salt the sauce, for example, but you salt on top of your dish, you will have direct content contact mm-hmm. with, like your tongue will have direct contact with the salt crystals. Yeah. And you will experience it more intense okay. while using less salt. Uh, but especially if you have the combination of this nice sugary taste and the salty taste and the fatty taste, this could make you overeat on all three of those. So this could be a problem. Interestingly, uh, we see that people are eating uh, more miso, which is a very mm-hmm. salty uh, Super paste. salty. Yeah, and people are not getting the hypertension and the uh, gastric cancer that, that you would normally expect from eating that much salt. Mm-hmm. So somehow the phytochemicals in the fermented soybean paste called miso uh, is actually... Soy, back again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could make miso out of, out of like yeah, off yeah. of rice and stuff like that, but normally it's made out of soy and it helps so this could uh, be a f- if you say okay I want to eat salt heavy diets maybe you want to uh, have at least like half of your salt in form of miso yeah um, another thing is there are great um, like spice mixtures that are saltless that can make a nice taste so people ju- should just go heavy on herbs and spices and just cook nicely and not use salt as the only yeah. condiment yeah I think that's the key thing as well isn't it I think um, all of us underestimate really the importance of herbs and spices and sure. kind of the impact that they can have on our health as well. Sure. It's one thing talking about the foods, yeah. um, but in regards to actually seasoning your food, because I remember at first as well, I, I'll put my hands up. I was really that person who, who genuinely thought herbs and spices were just there to make bland food taste better. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So when I first went vegan, it would be the whole oh, well, you've definitely got to season your food now. Um, which in hindsight, I find the most funny remark when people say that vegan food's bland because uh, I'm sorry, I don't know anybody who would eat plain chicken. Yeah, without herbs and spices. Yeah. Anyway, so going into herbs and spices, 
I think it'd just be really good to talk about kind of some key ones of those as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's also be a chapter in my, my new book that's coming next uh, year in February. There's an additional cookbook to my to my current book where we have a whole chapter on herbs and spices Amazing. because it's so important. Because as you say, they combine the best of both worlds. They are tasty and they are healthy. And the more you add, the more tasty it gets, and the more healthy it gets right. still. So um, we see that. I mean, I I will have a, a chart on, in my in my new book where I have a graph with the amount of antioxidants in the different spices and then you see on, on top you have spices like oh my gosh what's the English word for it um oh, go with the German word let me see if we can guess Nelke oh no no I don't Nelke <laughs> we will quickly let's google yeah. we're gonna google it okay, quickly okay so it's Nelke you will find out that one how, um, how, I don't know even how you spell it N N A L K A uh, English I'm so it's we're fun. getting there Let's see. Uh, what have we got? Like what have we got? Nelka. Clove. Like of course. Clove. Yeah, clove. So this is one of the, I think it's even on the, on the top. That um, just makes me think of Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can add it really to a lot of dishes and it, it is, makes them makes them even tastier. Uh, but of course you will not use as much as, for example, a cinnamon. You can use more yeah. cinnamon, which has a little bit less antioxidant power, but you can eat uh, less of it. <laughs> uh, so most of the herbs and spices are quite high in antioxidants. Uh, if you think about the, the dried herbs like thyme and rosemary and, and, and herbs like that, they're really high in antioxidant power. And you can really spice the, the antioxidant power of dishes up. You can double or triple the, the power of the antioxidant in, in one dish. If you have your white pasta with tomato sauce, not a good thing. Mm -hmm. If you add some some veggies, some herbs, some spices, some nuts on top, you suddenly have a great dish. Right. Yeah. Um, so this is important, definitely. We, we all know that uh, turmeric is healthy. Uh, if you eat turmeric, you should maybe aim for quarter to half a teaspoon a day. Okay. Combine it with black pepper because the piperine in or pepperine in English maybe uh, is helping to uh, like uh, help to absorb and to maintain uh, the level of uh, curcumin, which is the yep. bioactive compound in turmeric, uh, to to keep it in your body. And you may also want to add uh, a fat source to mm -hmm. it. Both of them will help absorb and maintain it better. Apart from that, just go with whatever you like. Try to have at least 10 spices at home and use them wherever mm. you like. And one funny thing is that, I mean, we know that we should not overdo smoked foods, for example, especially not the, the fatty animal-based uh, smoked food because there can be some carcinogenic compounds. But if you, for example, use liquid smoke or uh, smoked bell pepper powder, so smoked mm. paprika, which is tasty, yep. um, you don't find the same amount. You find really neglectable amounts of carcinogenic compounds there. So this okay. is a way to make to bring smoky flavor mm -hmm. in a healthy way in your dishes as well. Perfect. I was going to say, because that's one thing that I probably miss, actually, that that oh, kind of smoky flavor. Yeah, we. I, I liked all these sausages, all the smoked sausages. Salt, and, uh, salt and smoked. <laughs> yeah, you can you can have the smoked flavor, but maybe not smoke the product itself, yeah. but more the, the spices or the, the paprika. So this is an important thing as well. And when people cut down on salt a little bit, they tend to go go heavier on the on the herbs and spices. So this is a good thing, and I definitely recommend to not overdo it. Germans, they, they do double the amount of salt as they should. Mm. So we should definitely cut down, but I don't see a point to cut down to zero. Yeah, it's just not necessary. It's just not necessary. If you wanna do it, do it, but don't recommend it to anyone else because it will uh, raise the barrier for people to go in the vegan club. Mm -hmm. We want to be the vegan club to be open and cool and fun and right. stuff, yeah. And accessible, because I think that's that's probably the biggest part at the moment. It's like you say, it's, it's, it's not about kind of not having certain foods available, do you know what I mean? And saying, no, you can't eat this cake and no, you yeah. can never touch this again. It's just, hopefully we are gonna continue to move to just make things that much more convenient. Because that's probably what I'd say I, I miss the most is kind of the convenience of things. But it is getting a lot better. Like we went down to this, the spa store down the road yeah. earlier and I was like so surprised with the amount of vegan options that were available, yeah. all of the different plant milks. And then you had all of the different kind of tofus and vegan sausages and whatever. Yeah, the vegan pizza as well there. I missed that. Luckily <laughs> I, I missed find that, that one. That's probably, burned mine in the oven a little That's top. probably a good thing. That's where I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's probably a good thing. Um, but yeah, there was just so many options. And I mean, obviously we're in currently, I'd understand more maybe if it was a bit more accessible in the winter season because obviously this is more for for skiing and stuff. Um, but it's not it's not busy right now. It's a very small town. Mm, There's not very. a huge amount of people, and these options are still available. So cool! Isn't it? So cool and so unexpected. 
Yeah. So unexpected. Yeah, and on the other hand, I mean, they have a lot of vegan options. But if you're looking for SOS free vegan options, mm. mm, kind of hard. Yeah, that might be slightly different. <laughs> yeah, slightly so different. That's why I would at least say we should think twice before going SOS free yeah. completely. Yeah, it's just going to make it, it's already difficult enough at times, especially when you are traveling. So, which is a question for you. Obviously, you've been doing quite a lot of talks around different places at the moment. Have you found anywhere or any particular like countries or areas that have been more vegan friendly than others? Mm. So for my personal experience, um, I'm mostly traveling within Germany mm -hmm. and Austria and Switzerland. And whenever, uh, most of the time when I'm traveling, I someone else is taking care of my food. So I'm even like most, very often I'm speaking at vegan events. And right. There is like all I need. But even when I was speaking for the, for the German army, they provided great vegan food. So I couldn't complain. Um, and so I'm not traveling so much abroad, but I recently had an interview with uh, Ken Spector from Happy Cow, and he gave some nice advice. Amazing. Yeah, he said in terms I download, is in the app? Yeah, I app. downloaded it the other day. Ah, Literally, look. There it is. There we go, yes, guys. Yes, yes, yes. So it's worth just explaining what Happy Cow is, because like I, I had no idea about it. The, ah, that's fine. I thought it's so well known. Okay. No. I mean, may, maybe I am the naive one. For um, sure not. <laughs> but, yeah, okay. but when I found it, I was just like, oh my God, because I've sat there for ages and I'll be researching online. I'm like, <laughs> vegan restaurants near me. Like, how can I find them? Da, 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 da. And, and then all of a sudden. Happy Cow popped up. Wow. Yeah. So can you explain in your, in your native English what is Happy Cow? So Happy Cow is the best app ever. Um, so you can basically put your location in it or an area or whatever, and then it will bring up restaurants, not just restaurants that are vegan or vegetarian but ones that provide vegan and vegetarian options um people can put their reviews on it and stuff like that as well and it's just it just makes it so much easier when you want to go out because the amount of times i've ended up going to a restaurant just because it's one i can find on google and it's got like a vegan option not options option um so yeah that's been really refreshing but yeah so you met him the Game other day changer. yeah i met him and we're talking we're doing interview that will uh, come out shortly uh, on my youtube channel as well and they're asking questions like this so you're probably the expert in terms of vegan areas what are your tips and he said in terms of quantity london has the most vegan restaurants at all mm. which is nice but due to the fact that london is quite large right. if you take a look at the most vegan dense cities you will go to warsaw or prague wow there you have so many vegan restaurants and you can have like a six course menu in six different restaurants and you can go walking distance from one to the other and have a course at each restaurant so that's gotta be that's, great yeah so that's on my that's on my epic. bucket list yeah okay i might have to join you on that one <laughs> that, that sounds, go, that, yeah. yeah that sounds nice because yeah london it's definitely a lot more dense mm -hmm. for me i'm i'm slightly outside of london um but the positive side of things is, is and from using the app, it's coming across a lot more, um, do you guys call them pubs? Uh, call we, a pub? we know what pubs are. We, yeah. don't really, we have, don't really have pubs as part, we have some, so some British beer. pubs. Of course, but we drink them in bars. All right, okay. <laughs> um, we have Irish pubs. Got you, okay, Irish so pubs, similar, yeah. 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 Um, but they're the ones who are providing the most kind of vegan options right now, I find. They, uh, there's a couple around me who would be the least, like the ones that you least expect because they're all there for the locals and it's like a beer and a pie. Do you know what I mean? Uh, People go there after work and all of a sudden they're bringing out these like big vegan menus and they're holding nice. vegan nights every couple of months or whatever. I'm nice. like, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's great. And I mean, of course, I mean, I, I'm originally from Austria, but I'm now living in Berlin for approximately six years and there was a reason why I moved to Berlin. Right. <laughs> it is definitely one of the most vegan friendly cities and there are many great high class restaurants, very great all vegan Asian restaurants. There's so much cool things that you can do and see in Berlin. So. Whenever you want to have a nice city trip, go to Berlin if you're mm. vegan. As I say, I've been there once, but it was many years ago and it was before I was vegan. Ah. But obviously the fact that all of you guys who we're out in Austria with, your majority of you are all living in Berlin or have, have at some point yeah. lived in Berlin. Um, it's quite refreshing to see that there are other cities. Do you know what I mean? And I think it's exciting to be able to, to be able to know that you can explore and have those options mm. because sometimes it can be a case of, ah, oh, I'm going to this area, like, do I need to bring my own food? Yeah. And there's another insider, maybe it's not even an insider anymore, but I think many people have not, don't have, or yeah, many people don't have, doesn't have, don't have, don't have, yep. uh, Tel Aviv on the map. 
No. Yeah, Tel Aviv is probably the hardest spot at the moment, like emerging so much and there's so much going on. We'll be there in, in autumn. Uh, it's amazing. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I mean, it's on my hit list regardless, but yeah. not, so now from, one a, reason more not to, from a food aspect. But it is, it Ooh. is. Yeah, so Warsaw, Prague, Tel Aviv, I think that's three cities that people would not have no. on a map for vegan food. Yeah, for Berlin, sure. People know, but probably it will uh, also like overcome their expectations and even do better than they think yeah so just moving on because i did this last time so i think i'm going to make this a, like a recurrent theme mm -hmm. what are kind of like your staple meals because obviously i know that you're aware of kind of like the correct pairings of foods and stuff like that so what would you say are like your staple things to go to because we can't always be experimenting not nah, i'm like whenever uh, people ask me like what is your approach on food I always uh, tell them I try to eat as varied as necessary mm -hmm. but not more than necessary yep. so like le less variety better because when you know for example that you eat that you need this amount of frozen blueberries yep. in a week then you can shop in advance it saves you time or if you know right. I need that much uh, red rice in a week great and I can cook in advance batch cooking for three or four days so in terms of I, I, normally when, when I think about food I try to divide my food in, in five uh, main categories mm -hmm. which is uh, whole grains legumes uh, nuts and seeds is uh, one category yep. uh, fruits and, uh, and veggies yeah and I always try to, to think okay I know that I mean, all whole grains are healthy, all legumes are healthy, all veggies are healthy, but what are the healthiest options yeah. in this uh, category? And I try to eat them as often as possible. Um, and in terms of whole grains, I try to eat intact grains whenever possible. Of course, I also eat whole grain bread and mm -hmm. whole grain pasta, but especially I would say uh, red rice is one of my whole grain staples because it's... I even think it's tastier than white yeah. rice, um, which is not the case for me for whole brown rice. I mm. don't really like that too much. But red rice, if, if you really do it well, it's amazing. Um, so red rice, definitely. Um, in terms of veggies, I try to get my my three categories uh, in, which are cruciferous vegetables, uh, allium vegetables, and green leafy vegetables. Mm -hmm. And as long as I eat those three on a regular basis, in addition with some other veggies I like, great for me. And of course, I try to have a bell pepper every day for my vitamin C for the iron absorption. Uh, in terms of fruits, um, I'm not really overdoing fruits. I try to have uh, blueberries every every mm -hmm. day. I try to go for the frozen ones because they're way cheaper, they are as healthy. And yeah. If anything, available. possibly, unless you're picking them straight up, they're probably fresher anyway yeah could could happen i mean sometimes when i see blueberries in stores they are so dry it's mm -hmm. crazy yeah and of course i i mean we live in austria i do or in germany i do eat apples on a, on a mm -hmm. regular basis um and sometimes bananas in the shake but that's more or less yeah. in terms of fruits uh, not because i'm afraid of fruit no, but just, just don't have more than yeah. that um in terms of legumes i do favor soy products because tofu and tempeh and soy mix are great products yep. so i have them but i also have my my lentil pasta i have my lentil bolognese uh, so i have all different so i have my hummus etc yep. um and in terms of nuts and seeds we see the, the the heart healthy beneficial effects with all the seeds and all the nuts because they're all high in vitamin e especially the nuts all high in vitamin a uh, e all high in argi arginine, arginine, yep. arginine, arginine. Yep. Um, but of course, omega three you will find in the uh, flax seeds and hemp seeds. So I have uh, shelled hemp seeds quite regularly. I have so good, so good, right? Yeah. I don't like the unshelled ones, but I like the love mm -hmm. the shell ones. I have my my crushed flax seeds, uh, one tablespoon every day. I have my walnuts. I have my my almond stuff like that. I have my almond butter. So I, I'm probably like after a mile, I'm the most <laughs> nut butter loving <laughs> person on the wow, planet. Wow, that's a statement. That's a statement. We've got some serious nut butter lovers in this in this vicinity Ooh, right now okay, okay. so i feel like we might i might have to set a challenge all but, uh, right all right I'm, I'm down for that <laughs> <laughs> maybe you beat me in the tahini but i probably beat oh no the, the no butter. tahini's definitely miles okay he's definitely miles <laughs> yeah so i really i mean when when i think back i mean as a child as, as a child we all are not aware of the consequences of our food choice in terms mm. of ethic health and environment so we have a pretty good connection with food we just enjoy good food Food. Yeah. Uh, the older we get, at least many of us tend to get a difficult relationship to food, mm -hmm. and I was one of those people as well. Um, and when I studied nutrition science, and I didn't expect that, the more I know about the food, the less restrictive I eat, because I know mm -hmm. what is fact and what is fiction, what is a myth and yeah. what I should really care about, and the less I get stressed, because I just know 
that it's not about one food or and not. Do you feel it was no longer a case of you cutting things out of your diet, but rather making wiser choices? So it's more about you thinking about what you do want to eat because of how you're feeling rather than being like, oh, but yeah, I can't eat that. You're just, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I... You know, I have my multivitamin that that makes sure I get some of my critical nutrients. Mm-hmm. I have some stable foods that I know I get my omegas from, I get yep. my lysine from, etc. And what else I'm eating? I on a like if you take a look at the whole week, you you see that I'm overall making good choices, and yeah. it's not about what I do in one specific meal, etc. So I mean, we all like also the the, the A and D says we gotta take a, a whole dietary approach, and it's we should more convince people that they should eat certain things that are very healthy instead of trying to forbid them something right. because that just just makes it more attractive. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And I think that's that's even necessary. Like sometimes a necessary approach when we're talking to people who are interested about veganism but aren't quite ready to make that switch it's just it's okay it doesn't need to be an all or nothing method like naturally you probably will become vegan once you've started and once you do your your research and you start to learn more and just start to feel more about how good you feel on a vegan diet um but it is it's just making those choices like yeah if you just want to start with a couple of days a week kudos what, we're, a, we're good with that eat as many plant foods as you can and right. s- all of a sudden you will probably not eat as many animal foods and I think I mean it, also from an ethical standpoint of view if you have for example those 80 million Germans when they cut 10% meat out of the diet it makes a larger difference than if we turn some people completely right. vegan right so both is great I, I adore everyone who is vegan of course exactly. um, but I also appreciate every effort towards a vegan diet yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, ju- just I, I like to call it conscious mm-hmm. consumption, yeah, and that's how I very much started. Although I was pretty much made the switch overnight, mm-hmm. um, I didn't want to put that title on me straight away because I didn't want to feel so restricted. I had had a yeah. bad relationship with food in the past, and that was one of my like, my biggest fears was to to then kind of restrict myself again or have a good and bad food on my list. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So it was. A case of yeah i'm just going to be consciously consuming mm-hmm. um so if i did have an animal-based product i would be looking more into the sourcing of it etc mm-hmm. then obviously it got to the point where it was like actually the sourcing doesn't matter because it's still the same source do you know what i mean yeah I mean, if you have not like if you don't have the chicken in the backyard it, right yeah <laughs> exactly exactly so um but yeah even in regards to if you are vegan and it's a case of listening to how your body's feeling and being conscious to that mm-hmm. too, it's all well and good. You're not eating animal-based products, but if you are just sat there eating vegan pizza every mm-hmm. single day, which would which be you lovely. You on occasion, but yeah, I'd <laughs> love to do it every day, yeah. but it's not really. You you then will start to listen to your body and be like, okay, this isn't making me feel good. So what do I need right now? Like for me, I'm so aware if I'm not eating enough fats. I get so emotional. It's so important. I mean, this this whole fat phobia is so nineties, and it, especially for women, it's women who unfortunately, period, right? It's women yeah. who unfortunately have the biggest fear, but also mm-hmm. the biggest need for it. Yeah, healthy fat, so important, so mm-hmm. important. All these eighty ten ten diet approaches, I feel like they're doing really more harm than good. Even though yeah. I really think that they have all the best intentions, but we see that you don't have to be afraid of healthy fats. Right. Um, and especially, I mean, we see some some really prominent ex vegans, and really nothing hurts me more than a person who is ethically motivated, health healthy, like health motivated turns onto a plant-based diet and then do certain things not in the in the way that it should be and then turns carnivore and right. suddenly has a uh, elimination diet that of course eliminates some of the triggering foods mm-hmm. and makes them feel better at least for a certain period of time and then they blame it all to the vegan diet and I feel like it would be so much better if we could just have open dialogue and then we mm-hmm. could discuss these things, help those poor people and help the image of the vegan diet because exactly. it's not the vegan diet in this Or case. I've got a better solution. Oh, what What is it? Once your book comes out in English, mm-hmm. we just dominate worldwide with the book. Then everybody knows everything. Then your cookbook comes out too. Mm-hmm. So then we know exactly what to eat and the world will be a better place. That's a nice idea, but I really don't want the world to eat my diet. Oh, not your diet. Maybe we'll send them my book and Dr. Gregor's cookbook. And oh, yes. My, the other three or four cookbooks I really adore and some other nutrition books. Gregor's having has a new book this uh, end of this year. It's going to be great. Okay. How not to die yet. Not die, die nice. Yeah. I love a play on words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, so there's a lot, a lot of great books. But of course, I'm more than glad if people read my book in English. But there, especially in English, there are really great resources. Brenda Davis, Becoming Vegan is, is amazing. There's so many great books. To read, but not all of them are translated in German language. And even if they are, there's just no Michael Gregor or Brenda mm. Davis in Germany. So that's yeah. why I felt the need. But in, you guys, do, you have great resources. I was going to say, which, which would be like your number one book to recommend other than your own? Yeah. Like even if I feel like my my book would be number one, I would still Obviously. not stop <laughs> still not name it as the number one. But no, I don't. I don't. I mean, uh, at the moment, if you are English speaker and you want to start with a vegan mm -hmm. diet or a plant based diet or whatever you want to call it, I think uh, becoming vegan comprehensive edition. Okay. There's an express edition as well, but comprehensive edition from uh, Brenda Davis and Vesanto Melina is a great resource. Uh, if you want to have it really easy. If you say, I really want to, I'm a very, very, very beginner. Maybe you want to have a vegan for life, which is a small, like not so, uh, so yeah, comprehensive mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, from uh, Jack Norris and um, Virginia Mazzina. Okay. A great book as well. Um, if you're just interested in overall health, of course, everyone knows how not to diet. Dr. Michael Greger, especially nutritionfacts.org, his website, amazing resources. Um, apart from that, of course, I mean, there are great books on uh, diabetes, uh, Neil Barnard, Brenda Davis, we have heart uh, disease, Dr. Esselstyn and Dr. Furman. So whatever kind of disease you want to manage, there, yeah. there will be books for it. Uh, so that's lovely. So there's so many great pioneers in the field and I'm just, I'm owing them so much because I learned so much from them and you guys in English, you have enough resources. We just don't have them in German at all. I uh, feel you. I feel you. So that's probably enough information for people to yeah. to go and <laughs> go and process. Probably listen to this podcast more than once. Hopefully. Um, but yeah, there's obviously books that have been recommended. Keep an eye out for Nico's next year when it comes out. And uh, yeah, thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. No worries. You can make noise now. <laughs> Sorry.